Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. Y'all, I, I don't love this, but this is what we got to do. It's been, a, it's been a, um, a, a, a rough day, a rough few days in our community um, with the recent tragedy. So yes, we love to have fun. We love to be upbeat. But um, at the same time, I know there's people here who are suffering or who are asking questions. So let, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we kick this off and um, let's seek his wisdom and his guidance in this. Father God, um, it's been a tough week for our city, tough few days for our city and its leaders. They're working late. They're not sleeping. Some people never came home from work that day. Father God, help us realize how precious life is. Help us never take anything for granted. Father, may we be a light in this community, not just a church that meets for an hour and then goes home. God, um, if anyone in this room, if you can work through us, through our generosity, through our presence, through our encouragement, through our meals, to bless a family, love a family, encourage someone. God, God, we're willing, we're able. Please make that happen. We love you and we thank you. In your son's good name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do, that's some bad news, but I do got some good news. You want some good news? It's me and Helen's, it's our seven-year wedding anniversary today. Isn't that special? Yeah, yeah. That's great. I thought she'd be here. She was her last service, and she sat in the back, probably so I wouldn't embarrass her, but, um, this, which is smart. She knows me well, but she's amazing. I love her to pieces, and she's just fantastic. Um, if you're connected with her on Instagram, it's Helen Lane VA. She's having this fun time of um, highlighting my different facial hair throughout the years. It's very embarrassing, but I have no control over it. So if you hang out with her, a lot of you have been reaching out. That's what she's up to, and um, it's, it's, it's humiliating. It's humiliating. So let's jump in to the new series. Are y'all ready to jump in? Y'all ready to make a splash? We're in a, I'm sorry, it's so cheesy. We're in a series starting today called Jonah and the Whale. Somebody say Jonah and the Whale. It's about Jonah. Maybe you heard a story about Jonah. Maybe you hadn't. Maybe you're like, what the heck is this about? But if you heard of Jonah, you may think a whale. Whale swallowing a dude. It's so much, it's about so much more than a whale or a fish or whatever swallowing a dude. We're going to look at the real whales, the real themes in the book of Jonah. This is stuff like God's mercy, uh, forgiveness, grace, difficult social relationships. This is about running from God. This is some deep stuff. And today we're talking about a big one. We're talking about disappointment disappointment. Because when I talk about preaching and getting eaten by a whale, you're like, that doesn't relate to me. I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm just trying to get that ring, son. I'm just trying to live life. I'm just trying to raise these kids and not leave them on the side of the road at a truck stop because they're driving me nuts. Okay. I'm going to pray for whoever that is over there. But you're like, I I need some encouragement, man. I need some help. Why are we talking about a whale? It's so, so relevant to today. And I hope together we can explore the scriptures together and really see how to apply this to our lives. That is our hope. That is our goal with the series. Let me summarize it for you just real quick, real quick. Jonah was an Israelite. God came and said, Jonah, I want you to go preach to the Ninevites, to the Assyrians. They're north of you. Jonah said, uh-uh. See, they were bad dudes. That's the equivalent of a Jew in the 1940s marching to Berlin and say, I'm going to preach on the street corner. I got something to say. That's the equivalent of going to talk to ISIS and being like, let me, let me teach you a few things you've been doing wrong, ISIS. It's a scary thought. So Jonah said, I'm out. I'm out, son. He doesn't go north. He goes west. He gets on a ship and he is essentially saying, I need a one-way ticket. He wants to go west as far as possible. And he gets on the ship and he's just running from God. He's running from the mission. He's running from the plan. And a storm comes up. 
a storm comes up. Long story, but he ends up in the water. And there's this storm. And then all of a sudden, this fish or whale or something, we don't know, gobbles him up, takes him back, spits him out. And God essentially says, let's try this again. Jonah's fine. He goes up to Nineveh. He walks a day into the city. He preaches and is super successful. The people repent. No calamity comes upon them. God says, I'm going to overthrow you. I'm going to kick y'all out unless you repent. They did. They were sorry because they were a savage, brutal people. And um, that's pretty much the end of the story. And you were tracking with me for a minute, for a little bit, until I said a guy got eaten by a fish. Because y'all, y'all, y'all nerds are like, what kind of fish was it? Was it a whale or a fish? Which one? Okay, chill out, Animal Planet. Calm down, Shark Week. Um, that you're missing the point. Does anybody like Shark Week? I gotta know. I gotta know. When Shark Week this year? Does anybody know? I'm clueless. They always schedule it when I'm on vacation. I'm in the Outer Banks, and it's like, oh, it's Shark Week again. And I'm terrified to go in the water the whole week because everywhere I look, there's just images of just sharks everywhere. Don't get hung up on the whale. Don't get hung up on the shark because that's not the point of the story. If there is a movie about this and there are video movies, it's always the climax. The big CGI whale comes up and ah, eats them. Looks like me eating a donut out there. Ah, that's not the point. The whale is almost just kind of, you know, it's just kind of mentioned. It's like, oh yeah, whale ate them, spit them up. It's very interesting how low key the whale is in the whole story. It's just kind of presented as, yeah, this thing happened. If that's bothering you, just put that aside for a second. I know that's a stretch. I know that's hard to believe. Um, It's funny. I know a lot of people who don't like the book of Jonah because of that detail. What's funny is the Bible starts with God creating everything out of nothing, which is a much bigger miracle. The the idea, which has been proven, by the way, that none of this used to be here, but none of this used to be here, but space, time, matter, God created space, time, matter. God created the infinity stones, I think. He created everything. And the, yeah, nerds in the back, I see you. Um, he created the mountains, the oceans, time. He created everything. It's funny because we're like, that makes sense. But there's no way a whale could eat a person ever. Just put it aside. That's not what we're talking about. I don't want you to miss something that God has for you because you're caught up on an irrelevant detail. Okay, so just track with me, track with me. This is about a man who drifted away from God. Because his expectations were not met. His expectations on life, his expectations about who God is and what God should be doing. Have you ever thought, I didn't think my life was going to be like this? Jonah had that thought you're going to see all the time. I didn't think my life was going to be like this in regard to my career, in regard to my calling, in regard to my kids, in regard to my hope, in regard to my future. I didn't think my life was going to be like this. So you may be saying, yeah, I don't relate to the Assyrians. I don't relate to a mission. I don't relate to getting swallowed by a fish yet. But you can relate to being disappointed and frustrated. That's Jonah. That's how you can connect. It's interesting because we see this pattern in Jonah's life. His expectations led to emotions. And I see that in my life all the time. It happens. Jonah's unmet expectations led to emotions. He had these expectations of who God should be, what what he should be doing, what his life should look like, what it should feel like. And it led to emotions. It led to anger. It led to bitterness. It led to rage and frustration. And you're about to see it. And it all came from his unmet expectations expectations. His unmet expectations led to emotions, but then his emotions led to estrangement. I needed an E word, so I went with estrangement. 
Y'all aren't laughing. That's what preachers do. We just need to fit things together. One guy's chuckling. This is getting weird, Brian. I'm going to move on to the next point. I love you, man. Thank you. Thank you for the pity laugh. Amen. Here's what I want you to know. We have expectations in life. They're unmet. It creates emotions. And that leads to estrangement. Estrangement from God? Estrangement from your nation? Estrangement from your calling? Jonah finds himself literally completely isolated in the belly of a fish deep under the ocean in total darkness. I don't know how isolated you could get. But that's where your expectations take you if you let them. That's what we're going to avoid. That's what we're going to avoid. Sometimes when you think about Scripture— it's kind of like Sunday school. You're like, oh, I'm going to read a story and it's going to tell me way, way I messed up or way I'm not measuring up. It's telling me how I'm screwing up. If you just pick up the Bible and you say, you think it's full of people and we're supposed to just copy them and mimic them, you've not read the Bible. Jonah was not a good dude. Jonah was jacked up. Jonah was a racist. Jonah had a temper problem. He's constantly chewing out God. He's angry. He wants to see his enemies get smited by God. This is not someone who is being held up to say, let's be like this guy. This is a guy who's real. He's got struggles. He's got weaknesses. And we see God's mercy being lavished upon him. That's something else that I think some people in this room might be able to relate to. I want to tell you before we begin, someone someone in this room is drifting. You're drifting. You're drifting from God or church or your family. And it's probably because of expectations. You're doing what Jonah did. Things weren't working out the way you wanted, the way you expected. And so you're slowly drifting away. I wanted to tell you to turn back. To turn back. You're going to see where that path goes. We're actually going to start at the end of Jonah's book, not the beginning. I'm going to start with the ending because the ending reveals the true point of the book. And this is a chapter a lot of you guys didn't even know was there. We're going to talk about it. Remember, Jonah runs from God, then his fish gets him. He goes and preaches. It works. This is where we're going to start. Jonah 3.10. When God saw what they did, what the Assyrians did, because they repented, they turned from their evil ways, God relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah 4.1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. The Assyrians were bad dudes. They were savage. They were the most merciless people, maybe in the history of the world. They've been described as a terrorist state. They were so cruel in warfare and how they handled politics. And God says to Jonah, go love on them. Go preach to them. Jonah says, they don't deserve it. I'm not going. I'm not going. When he does and they repent, God God says, fine, I won't smite them. I won't destroy them. I'm not going to wipe them out. And that actually made Jonah upset. Jonah didn't want God to show compassion on them. Here's the point. God isn't doing what Jonah expected. God isn't doing what Jonah wanted. And if you can relate to the Assyrians, you can relate to that because a lot of people in this room are in a position where God isn't doing what you wanted and God isn't doing what you expected. And don't lie to me and say, when that happens, you go to church and you're just gonna praise him extra hard on Sunday. No, 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 you don't do that. You don't do that. You get bitter. You get angry. You get a little mad. Maybe you quit going to church for a season. Maybe you take it out on your spouse. Maybe you quit being obedient. Maybe you lash out in a way. We get angry, and that's what we see here. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Jonah admits it. He deliberately says, I knew you were kind. I knew you were good. I knew you were compassionate. I tried to jack the whole plan up. I tried to go the opposite way. Some of y'all right now, you're trying to go the opposite way. 
God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose. He's got a mission for you. And you're deliberately saying, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm going to go the opposite way. The name that Jonah calls God is fascinating. He calls him, it says Lord, but the word in, in Hebrew is Yahweh. That's the covenant name of God. He's essentially, Jonah's essentially saying, look, I know you to be this type of God. We signed a contract. We had a deal. You're breaking the deal. You promised to bless me. How can you bless me if you're going to bless them too? You've thought that. You've tried to drag God into court and say, you're not holding up your end of the deal. Look, I'm a good person. I go to church. I give. I serve. I try not to give that many people the finger while I'm driving. Okay. I go to Chick-fil-A, Jesus' restaurant. God, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. If I don't use all the sauces, I put them back. I don't waste them, okay? I'm a good person, God. You should give me a certain level of, uh, you know, comfort. That's not how it works. Tell your neighbor, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Jonah's about to learn. That's not how it works. Jonah says this. It's kind of funny. He said, look, I knew you were gracious and and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. It's almost ironic. He's like, I knew you'd forgive him, and I'm mad at you for it. It's very strange. I think scripture intentionally chose something weird here for us to see how crazy it is to go against God's will. Because that's how we sound. That's exactly how we sound. It sounds completely crazy to go against it. Here's the main problem. Of, of all this, because I know it's confusing. Jonah wanted a God of his own making. Jonah wanted a God he could control. Jonah wanted a God that he could manipulate. Jonah wanted a God at an arm's length. Jonah wanted a God he could keep in his pocket. Jonah wanted a God who was an app. That if he needs encouragement, he needs blessing, he just does. I'll go to church. I'll do this there. God's there if I, if I need him, but I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want to do. But if I need God, he's there. He'll forgive me. He's God. That's his job. That's what he does. That's what Jonah wanted. But that's not how it works. Do y'all remember that movie, The Stepford Wives? I didn't see it because I'm not as creepy as you. (laughs) But it's a creepy sounding movie. I'm going to tell you what I think happened. One of you nerds is going to be like, technically, that's not the plot. Just drop it. Just drop it. I think this is what happened. I think the men in some creepy little town, they got their wives together and they, I think they put little microchips on them. Or maybe they replaced their wives with robots that look exactly like their wives. But the point is this, their wives are very well behaved and very controlled and never argued and never, never pushed back and cooked the perfect dinners and always had their hair done. And it's just so, so creepy. That's what Jonah wanted. He didn't want to, he, he, Jonah wanted a Stepford God. But you can't have a relationship with a robot. You can't actually worship your own workmanship. And if that's how you've been treating God at a distance, trying to control, trying to manipulate, trying to have this situation, this setup where I'll call you if I need you. If I don't have anything going on, we can talk. It's not authentic. It's just not real. If you've seen that movie, there's no way you would argue that's a real marriage. That's real. What, they're not fighting? They're not disagreeing? That's the real thing. No, no, no. We know deep down in our hearts, that's the fakest thing that could ever be. And so many of us try to do it with God and call it real. It's not. Jonah tried it. It doesn't work. Look at Jonah. Y'all ready for this? Jonah's praying, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Somebody say, cry, baby. 
But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Somebody needs to call the ambulance because Jonah's being a crybaby. He's acting like my kids at Target. Anyone else agree? We made the mistake of, tell, of teaching one of our kids that Target has a thing, um, the Starbucks has a thing called a cake pop. That's my mistake. That's my error. Because anytime he drives past one, he's like, I want a cake pop. That sounds pretty good. I also made a rookie mistake. The last service shamed me a little bit. They said, you should have known better. I hope y'all can show me a little more grace. You know, at Target, they got the big old, big old pile of the bouncy balls, the big ones. I did the dumb thing where I was like, you can hold it, but we can't take it home. Don't you laugh at me, Lexi. Y'all stop it. Y'all stop it. My three-year-old was like, yes, daddy, yes, daddy. My one-year-old doesn't speak English, so he was just kind of drooling, but they were happy with the balls. They were happy. It got us through Target. But when we got to the checkout line, there were some different expectations. I said, all right, son, you got to give me the ball. We got to put it back up. He said, no. I said, Thomas, his name's Thomas too. It gets, arguments get really weird. I said, Thomas, we just talked about this. Full-scale meltdown, on the floor, kicking, screaming. It sounded like I was trying to abduct him. Help, help, help. I'm surprised someone didn't come haul me away. I had a mom come up to me and said, you're doing a good job, dad. I don't even know this woman saying you're doing good, stay strong, because I'm giving him a lecture. I'm like, son, this isn't how life is. You can't just kick and scream and get whatever you want. He didn't hear a word I said. He didn't care. I took his ball away and he wasn't happy. Now it's silly when we say that and we look at kids and say, that's ridiculous for that behavior. But y'all, we do the same thing all the time when it comes to the divine. We might not be a target, but you act the same way if you don't get what you want. You kick, you scream. I'm not going to that church anymore. I'm not going to that small group anymore. I'm not going to be a part of that because I I thought I heard something. It wasn't how I wanted it to be. And I'm going to make a huge fuss. Jonah is showing us how childish we act, but we do it all the time. We do it all the time. Look at Jonah. Jonah had gone out. He's mad. He'd gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the sea. Remember what happened? He preached to the city. They said, you're right. We're going to turn back to God. Jonah's going to wait and see. He wants to see the fireworks. He wants to see God destroy it. He's in the shade with some lemonade, ready for the show. He's just watching to see what will happen. Here's how you know if you have a Stepford God or not, or if you have a real one. Here's how you know. Do you obey only when it makes sense? Like, do you look at what scripture says and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense to me at this time, so I'm not going to obey. You may have a Stepford God. Do you value your choices over scripture's teaching? That's a hard one. That's a hard one. A friend of mine said it like this. Do you put your wants over the word? Here's what I mean. A tough decision came up and the kids are in bed and you, you and your wife or you and your husband, you're sitting down at the table and you're like, this is what we want to do. I know what the Bible says, but this, I think this is best. I think we should do that. Which one do you choose? If scripture is clear, which way do you go? You might have a step for God. Do you obey only when it benefits you? If so, you might have a step for God. Do you live life as if we are made in God's image or as if God has been made in your image? Is he the robot? You put a little chip in him and you say, you're going to do what I say. You're going to come for me when I want. You're going to do whatever the heck I say and want. If any of those things are true, I love you. 
I'm not saying this to smite you or make you feel guilty. I want you to have a real thing. I want you to have the real deal. But you might have a step for God. You might need to remove the microchip. Because you can't worship your own workmanship. You can't do it. That's why it doesn't feel legit. That's why you don't feel close to him. Because he's a robot. That's not the living God you're talking to. You're talking to yourself. You can't worship your own workmanship. Six, then the Lord God provided a leafy plant. It was not kale. Don't you suggest it was. The Lord God provided a leafy plant. Um, The word provided can be translated appointed. I like that. He appointed a plant. He provided a plant. You'll see where this is going. And he made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Don't want anyone to say it was kale. I don't want you to even suggest it. It was probably a castor oil plant. They grow real fast and they have big broad leaves to provide shade. They're in those regions in the Middle East. That's probably what it was. Y'all, let's get into the meat of it because here's what I really want to talk about today. I want to talk about God's provision and his appointments. There are four things in this story of Jonah in just four short chapters that God says he appoints for Jonah, that he provides for Jonah. In the midst of disappointment, in the midst of crisis, God is appointing them. Here's, Here's what I want you to know. It seems that God is absent when things don't go our way. That's the first thing you think. Is God here? Is he real? Does he love me? Does he have a plan for me? It seems that he's absent when things don't go our way. But what if the opposite were actually true? What if the opposite were true? What if the disappointments of life are actually the appointments of God? Here's what I want you to consider today. What if all this stuff that's happening, the disappointments of life, are actually the appointments of God? What if God has brought some things into your life to protect you, to guide you, to strip off some things, to guard you, to challenge you? What would that do for your perspective? Jonah didn't think like that. Jonah's mad. But I think if he stops and thinks about it, and I think if you stop and think about it, we'll see something very interesting. Because what does this teach us? It teaches us God is very active. Even our frustrations. Even in our frustrations, God is very active. He hasn't left you. I want to say that closely because someone here I know, I've done ministry long enough, that's what you're thinking about. That's what you're worried about. That's your fear because of that sin, because of that thing nobody knows. The question is, has he left me? I want you to know he hasn't left you. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean he's withdrawn his hand. Just because you can't see doesn't mean he isn't sovereign. Just because he isn't loud doesn't mean he isn't close. Actually, the opposite is true. That's why God is so subtle in your life, because he's so close. If you're three inches away from someone, you don't have to yell. You can whisper. That's why God is so subtle with you. Not because he's far away, but because he's so close. He's over you. He's protecting you. He's guiding you. He's with you every step of the way. Some of y'all want something loud. You want a bang, a vision, a fireworks riding in the sky. You want a stranger to come up to you at the ocean front and say, God told you to take the second job you applied for. And you'll be like, oh, it was so easy. Why can't I do that? He ain't going to do that. He might. But I doubt he does that. It's because he's so close. He whispers. He whispers through a sermon. He whispers through your spouse. He whispers in quiet time. He whispers through that, through your feed on social media. He whispers on the way to work. He's, he's a whispering God. He's a subtle God. He's present. He's presenting things. He's appointing things. But he can be so, so subtle. 
Sometimes I'll run into someone at Starbucks or at Chick-fil-A. Let's go to Chick-fil-A because I'm ready for tomorrow. I'm going there at noon. I might see some of y'all there. Mm. But sometimes people come up to me and they say, you're, you're a little different in person. You're a little different face to face. I said, what do you mean? They're like, well, I'm used to you yelling and shouting. And my response, I want to say, yeah, ding dong. I'm not going to be shouting at Chick-fil-A. I'm not going to be like, good to see you. How you doing? I can't do that in public. We would be the first two people ever to get thrown out of Chick-fil-A. It would be tragic. They would be crying as they did it. They would they'd still be like, my pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. They'd kick us out. No, no, no. Because we're close, we, we can talk quietly. We can whisper. We can talk. We don't have to be shouting, y'all. When it comes to God, just because it isn't clear doesn't mean he isn't here. Just because it isn't clear doesn't mean he isn't near. He's so near, and we're about to see that. I'm rhyming a lot today. That must mean it's a good sermon. That's the measure of a good sermon. You didn't know that? If it rhymes, A+. We see God's appointments. We see his provisions working four ways in Jonah's life. And ironically, it's when Jonah is most confused, frustrated, and fed up. Could he be doing the same thing in your life? Could you be frustrated right now, fired up, angry. What we see in Jonah's life is God was more active maybe than ever before in the midst of that. Look at this. We're going to go back a little bit because it says he appointed four things or provided four things. The first we glossed over. We'll talk about it more next week. The first thing that it says God appointed or provided was the fish. Somebody say the fish. Someone still is like, well, what kind of species was it? Sit down, nerds, get past it, okay? Fish, whale, whatever you want to see. The first thing with the fish, if you're taking notes, that's number one, the fish. God provides things to rescue us. God provides things to rescue us. Could you imagine Jonah's perspective? He's in the ship. He's running for his life. A storm kicks up, right? This big old storm. And you know what he does? You know, he, he ends up in the water. He's where I'm going to drown. There's thunder. There's lightning. There's fear. And out of the blue, you know what he sees? A fin coming towards him. That's how some of y'all feel in life. Could things get any worse? And a fin's coming your way. But what if that fin coming towards you? What if it scared you? It caused some fear. But what if that fear, here, follow me. What if that thing coming at you is the vehicle through which God will rescue you from the storm? What if that's the thing God finally uses to rescue you, to save you, to give you your swagger back, your hope back, your fire back, your passion back, your want-to back? You saw it coming and you were trembling, but I came to tell you today, don't fear the fin. Don't fear the fin. You got nothing to be afraid of. If you're just like Jonah, if you're in the midst of that storm and things are bad and oh great, here comes a shark. Things are about to get a whole lot worse. What if that was the vehicle through which God wanted to save you all along? Don't fear the fin. Don't fear the fin. The fin could be a bankruptcy. The fin could be a diagnosis. It could be bad news. It could be a door just got slammed in your face and you just thought things went from bad to worse, but maybe that's the thing that God's gonna use to rescue you. Don't fear the fin. That's the first appointment. That's the first provision. It's the fish. The second one is this. It's the leaf. The leaf. God provides things to comfort us. We just talked about the leaf grew up over him. He provides the fish to rescue us. He provides the leaf to comfort us. There are so many things in life that God has appointed in your life to comfort you, to restore you, to give you shade and rest. And you don't even thank him for it. 
This is the easiest to see, but it's the most difficult to be cognizant of because it's so easy to forget. It's so, so easy to forget. Your friends, your church, your city, the first responders you take for granted, the weather, ice cream, donuts, Chick-fil-A, all these things. You just take for granted. But God sends him here to comfort us. I love that he sends the shade. Isn't that interesting? Because all throughout scripture, shade comes up time and time again. God could have changed the weather. He could have sent a rain cloud. He didn't do that. He showed shade. You know what shade does? God is saying this. God is saying, look, I'm close to you. I'm going to take the sun for you. I'm going to block the heat so you can be cool. I'm going to absorb that thing that, that that pain has been coming at you so you can have comfort. That is the picture of the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, because God loved you so much. He sent his son into this world. He took your punishment for sin, for rebelling from God, for making mistakes, for doing your own thing. Jesus absorbed that. Jesus took the heat so you could be in the shade, the shade of the cross. This is not a coincidence. The idea that God comforts us through the shade is a very purposeful, intentional picture. Verse seven. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. He appointed a worm. Somebody say gross. Y'all didn't know this was in Jonah, did you? You're like, is it? Yeah, it is. Let's read it together. Which chewed the plant so that it withered. God will send worms. You might have a worm in your life right now. Here's what the worm means. God provides things to grow us. There's something that came into your life, a disappointment, a closed door. Somebody said no to you. Someone broke up with you. Something happened. You didn't think it was going to happen that way. You had to leave a church. You had to leave a job. Something something awful happened. And in the moment you said, is God still with me? But he he had some ways he wanted to grow you. You see, God might decrease some things in order to increase some other things. God might have to take away some things in order to give you to make room for some other things. And that's what the worm represents. You see, maybe you lost that job. Maybe you lost that promotion and it hurts. It's painful. The the bank account went down. The income went down. But maybe God wanted to increase your joy. Maybe he wanted to increase your time with your kids, increase your, your perspective. I have no idea. Maybe, maybe that social circle you've been into, maybe they're dragging you down. They're being a bad influence. You got to get the heck out of there. God might decrease that one to increase one elsewhere. Maybe he wants you to join a group or start hanging with his coworkers. I don't quite know, but God will decrease some things in order to increase other things. God might decrease dependence on some things to increase joy in other things. Now, this is not to grieve you. It's to grow you. Some of y'all have a worm right now. You know exactly what it is. It crawled in your life. You're mad at it. You're a little bitter. That's kind of gross, God. Why would you allow that to happen? But when you look back, you'll realize you wouldn't be where you are today without that worm. You wouldn't have grown unless it was for that thing. Is somebody in the midst of this right now? Is that worm gnawing on something, removing something, destroying something, something that was good? but God wants to teach you something through it. Verse eight, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. He provided a wind, he appointed a wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Number four, the wind, God provides things to show us. 
The worm was God provides things to grow us. Fourth is the wind. God provides things to show us. Disappointment often peels back layers and reveals that we most truly and highly value. It shows us what our real God really is. It really does. I think for Jonah, it was comfort. It was calling the shots. It was being in control. You see, some of us don't serve God for God. We serve him for something else. God's important, but he's not number one. God's a means to an end. God, keep my family safe. Family's good. God, keep my job safe. That's not a bad thing. The trouble comes in when something takes the place of God in your life. When that thing becomes all important, because that, by definition, would push God down to number two, three, four, five, or six. And that's where the trouble comes in. Whatever your idol is, happiness, comfort, control, beauty, kids, whatever. Jonah was mad. You see how mad he is? We get mad too, but it's a little different. Maybe you yell at God, maybe that's you, that's fine. But for us, I think we often get bitter. We quit going to church. We leave our group. I'm not serving on that team anymore. We get bitter. We check out. Verse nine, let's close here. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. This is exactly what I said the last time someone offered me kale. (laughs) They said, sir, would you like a kale salad? I said, no. And they said, look, you can read it word for word. They said, sir, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, I said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. (laughs) That's not true. Uh, But it's silly. Verse 10, but the Lord said, look, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? In which there are more than 120,000 people who have no idea what's going on. They can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. God's teaching him something. And Jonah never would have learned it if it wasn't for these appointments. If it wasn't for these provisions. He's showing how selfish he is. Jonah's more concerned about the air conditioning than the fate of 120,000 people in that city. You see it. He doesn't care about the people. He cares about himself. And God had to do some drastic things in order to show him that. A friend of mine said, you, you think this story is about the collapse of Nineveh? It's actually about the collapse of Jonah. Because at the end of the story, Nineveh's doing fine. Nineveh's doing great. Nineveh maybe has never been better, but it's Jonah that's depressed and angry and bitter and screaming and sunburned. What does that really say? Here's what I want you to know. God is close, even in your most disappointing season. God is more concerned with your growth than you are. Oftentimes we'd be fine sitting in the shade, hanging out, not caring what happens, but God loves you too much to let you stay there. God loves you so much. He's got to call you out of the shade, out of your comfort zone, out of all that. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to challenge you. He's going to stretch you. He's going to appoint some things. He's going to send some things to stretch you, to grow you, to call you out, to allow you to be the man or woman of God that he's calling you to be. But some of y'all, you're fine in the shade. It's okay. I'm fine sitting here just seeing what happens. But God isn't. God isn't. Ironically, when things aren't going your way, 
Look, you might be mad, you might be frustrated, you might want to walk away from God, but this might be the season in which God is most active in your life. Y'all, he's doing something. You might not be able to see him, you might not understand it 100% right now, but just because it isn't clear doesn't mean he isn't near. May we be a church that can deal with the disappointments. May we be a church that can stand out in faith and say, I'm not going to fear the fin. In the midst of the storm, if the fin comes my way, I'm fine with it. I'm okay, whatever comes my way, because I know God is doing something greater and bigger than I could ever wrap my head around, than I could ever imagine. Church, when, when you go out this week, I want you to look for these four. They're often wrapped in disappointment. They're often wrapped in difficulty. They're often wrapped in pain and hardship. And you may have some emotional reactions just like Jonah did. You may look back, you may look present, you may look forward, but I want you to see when something happens out of the blue, unexpected, I want you to see, look, hey, is this a fish? Is God working through this to rescue me from something worse? Is this a leaf? It may seem odd, but is God going to work through this to comfort me? Is this thing a worm? Is, is, is God going to work through this appointment to remove something from my life so we can bring in something new? Or is this thing a wind that's going to show me something I never knew about myself? Church, as we go out into the world this week, I fully believe God is close. I fully believe he has some appointments for you. And remember that the disappointments of life are actually often the appointments of God. Rather than be like Jonah, rather than be the toddler, right, in Target, rather than kick and scream and moan, stop for a second and say, hey, what does this appointment mean? What does this provision mean? What is God trying to do through this? How is he trying to grow me? And what is he trying to show me? Let's pray. Father God, I pray that we are people who does not fear the fin when the darkness comes at us, even if we're in the midst of the storm or disappointment or frustration, God, may we be a people that can stay focused and centered on you. May we not run from you, but may we understand, look, God, that you are just as active in our difficult, trying, hard seasons than you are when everything is perfect in our eyes. Father God, may we see, may you reveal to us right now some things that have come into our life that when we look back, we're actually, you know what? That thing was a fish that rescued me. That thing was a leaf. It, it, it comforted me. You know, that thing was a worm. That, that, it, it showed me some things. I mean, that, 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 you know, God used to grow me in some ways. Or, you know what, that thing was a hot wind. It, it showed me some stuff that I never knew about myself. God stripped these things away. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for coming to Jonah, who was acting like a preschooler. Thank you for giving him grace. Thank you for giving him patience. Thank you for treating him with so much love that he did not deserve, that we do not deserve. Thank you for meeting him and God for meeting us exactly where we are. May we know you deeper here in this place. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact this city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.